Hooray for the gathering band and hooray for each one of you. Good morning, welcome. I'm Mike Marshall, I'm one of the associate pastors here and I'm thrilled to welcome you to the gathering. Uh, first of all, those who are online right now, if you're Zooming this morning or if you're on your uh, social media platform, thank you for worshiping with us today. And for you here uh, on Fifth Street in our sanctuary, it's so good to see you. Thank you for finding the attendance pad that's in your row, uh, signing your name, sharing it with others, learning the name of another person. We really appreciate you doing that. Uh, you probably noticed that before the service, we have all the events, the next big things that are coming up. They're always on the screens here in the sanctuary. And you can always go to our website. You see right there, fumcfw.org events. It's always an opportunity for you to know what's coming up. For example, two weeks from today, on August 13th, here at the gathering at 9.30, we're going to have the blessing of the backpacks. For every age, Ellie is going to bring her backpack. Other children are going to bring theirs. Adults, bring your work backpacks, briefcases, satchels, whatever. It's really a wonderful event that gets us going into the fall. And we have big things to do today, and we need to get going into that. So I invite you to stand now for the call to worship. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to God, and God will make your path straight. We submit ourselves with ourselves to you as you have gathered us in worship, O oh God. Let your will be our will. Amen. Seamless. <laughs> Always seamless, Mike. Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad you're here with us at the gathering. If you're tuning in online, hello. If you're here in the sanctuary, welcome. We're going to sing a song this morning to start off called Evidence. And the chorus says this. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. And as we lift our voices this morning, I encourage you to open your hearts, open your minds to where God is leading you, how God has shown you God's evidence of that goodness all over your life. Let's sing together. All throughout my history, walk beside me the winter storms made way for spring in every season and where I'm standing I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life all over my life
Amen. Please be seated, friends. I'm so glad that you are with us today. We are a deeply sacramental community in the, ba- in the gathering. We celebrate the sacraments uh, that Christ has given to the church every single Sunday in the uh, receiving of Holy Communion, but almost every single Sunday also in the sacrament of Holy Baptism. And uh, today is a, uh, one that's really close to home and inside of the family. Uh, there are a lot of ministers here at the church, and one of the ministers is Matt Britt, who's our director of youth ministries, working every single day with kids from sixth grade through the end of high school and he and his wife Alex are an integral part of the leadership here at our church, and today is the time for, their bat- for the baptism of their daughter Eloise. So at this time, I would like to invite the Britt family forward for baptism. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Eloise Carter Britt for baptism. So now on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? If so, say, I do. Do Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? If so, say, I do. do. And finally, will you nurture Eloise in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, say, I will. I'm very thankful to have joining me this morning for the baptism, Matt's father, John. John is a pastor who serves the United Methodist Church in his home state of South Dakota. So thank you for making the trip and participating. Hey, Eloise, you like to hang out with me in my office. Do you remember me here? (gasps) Yes. Eloise Carter, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
and pray God's richest blessings upon you now and every day of your life. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Would you all lay a hand on her with me, please? Eloise, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may grow as a faithful disciple of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's granddad. Yeah. Friends, one of the things that I like to emphasize every time we baptize a child or a person of any age in this church is the way in which the entire community plays a role in them coming to know that they are loved by God, are a child of God, and they belong in the church. And I often invite you to be a part of that, and I want to do that again too, but I also want to acknowledge that Eloise already has 50 uncles and aunts between the ages of 14 and 18 who are very involved in making sure that she knows that she is loved Uh, that she is a child of God. Eloise will be blessed to be surrounded by people who love her unconditionally and constantly show her what it is to be a part of the family of God. And if you rejoice in Eloise and all the children like her, would you please indicate so with a round of applause. Congratulations, guys. Amen. What a special time of our church family to get to baptize her. And now we move into a time of prayer. And I want us to take a moment just to calm ourselves, take a deep breath, let the Holy Spirit come within you and be just open to whatever the Spirit says. During our prayer, I will lift up some names and then there's a time where you will lift up names if you have someone on your heart. So I hope that you will do that at that time. I will say, uh, Lord, in your, in your mercy, and you'll say, hear our prayers. So let's go to God in prayer. Gracious God, I want to trust you completely and you, because of knowledge and understanding and emotions, can be very unpredictable. Direct me to make decisions based not only on my own intellect, but on the wisdom you provide for all of us. Oh God, you are a far better judge and know what is best in every choice I have to make. It is of great blessings that I come to you with all my decisions in prayer so that I can follow you. Lord, in your mercy. Father God, the creator of all, your creation testifies about your power, grace, and love. New lives, new hopes, new opportunities, new dreams. For all this, O God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. Everything that you created, you made free. And over and over again, our freedom is used for the purposes of sin, for alienation from you, for violence, for hatred, for greed. And yet when we are at our worst, you did not abandon us. But you join us, you come alongside us as Jesus Christ to redeem us and reconcile us, to restore us to the relationship with you forever. For this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. Always and everywhere, O Holy Spirit, we are never alone. You come alongside us. You bring us into new experiences of God's grace and peace for this constant presence of God in our lives. We give you thanks, Lord, in your mercy. I lift up these children that are hurting and I ask you to surround them. Pat, Joy, Andrew, Chuck, 
Lord, in your mercy. Now I invite you to lift up those names that are on your heart. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, you've heard our prayers, and we give you thanks for your loving arms around us. Open our hearts to hear you. May we open our arms to be a living hope in the world today and open our hearts to bring peace and healing to all people. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. We now move into a time of offering. And I just want to remind you uh, that you can anytime use your mobile device and you can uh, click on it just to give and you can give right then and there. But I just want to thank you for all the offerings that make ministries possible for our youth and our children. It's a, a wonderful gift that you've given all of us. So let's pray. Gracious God, you have blessed us. You've given us so much. Let our hearts be generous to you so that we can be your people in the world. Amen. Good news. 
I think we all like their band, and I hope we never take the gathering band for granted. Yay! Yay! Well, we have a scripture reading this morning. It is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. If you're going to be using a pew Bible, you'll find it on page 585 in the Old Testament. If you brought your Bible, please do turn to that and know that I'll be reading to you from the New Revised Standard Version updated edition. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and abundant welfare they will give you. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your, no, on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves the one he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happier are those who find wisdom and those who get understanding. For her income is better than silver and her revenue better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called happy. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Before I consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to say words of gratitude and thanks. Thanks to the gathering band. Thanks to uh, Pastor Phyllis. Thanks to Pastor Mike for helping lead in worship. Even though, Mike, I have to point out, I do want to say hello to all the folks who are watching online. Though if you're watching on Zoom, you're somehow stuck in a 2020 time warp. So 
no longer on Zoom. Maybe on the app, maybe, the FUMC app, yeah. It took Mike a long time to figure out Zoom. I hate to take it away from you, but you're not, not still Zooming the world. Yeah, write it down on a piece of paper. Thanks, Mike. Thanks to everyone who's a part of the tech team connecting us on Skype and MySpace and Friendster. Uh, thank you so much for making that possible. Thanks to everyone in the children's ministry, the youth ministry, etc. Um, in addition to things like the blessing of the backpacks, that's in two weeks is where we anoint the backpacks for everyone returns back to school and give God a word of praise for school returning yet again. God is faithful. Uh, also to remind you all, we've got a couple more potlucks left. I, I think I've gained about 10 pounds since the potluck started. So one, when one of your robes doesn't fit anymore, that's a come to Jesus moment. Um, it's my goal robe now. I'm keeping it. It's my goal robe. Uh, one time in my life, someone said, I have something you need to know. I have something I need you to know. And then they told me this. Don't study where you relax. Do not relax where you study. That changed my life. Remember that. I don't remember who that was, <laughs> but I remember those words of advice. It was the summer between when I graduated high school and I was about to head off to college. Someone who had gone to college told me that. I don't remember if it was an, a, a parent of a friend. Maybe it was someone that was one of my customers at the coffee shop I worked at. Maybe it was one of my coworkers at the newspaper I was interning with. I don't remember who said that. Don't study where you relax don't relax where you study. That changed my life. Went off to school that fall, and for some reason, that piece of advice really stuck to me. And you'll remember, that was a season of my life where I did not struggle from a lack of self-confidence. I wasn't great at listening to the advice of others, but for some reason, that stuck with me. And so that fall, I went off to college. I moved into the 17th floor of the Castilian Dormitory in the University of Texas, and I managed to follow that advice. I kept my dorm room just a place for relaxing. I had an extra long tin, uh, twin bed with green polka dots on it and an orange office chair. And when I was in that place, it was just for relaxing. It was for watching the Royal Tenenbaums over and over again on DVD with my friends. It was for playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 on PlayStation 2 for hours. It was a place of making the best mixed CDs that anyone's ever heard. It was a place for relaxing and relaxing only. And it was time to get work done. I would load up my compact Presario laptop and I would put it in my backpack and I would head to the study hall or I would head to the library. Or if I had a little bit of spending money in my pocket, maybe the Spider House or the Metro on Guadalupe, go to a place like that. And when I was there, I was just studying. I was just working. I was focused on just that. I wasn't there to socialize. I wasn't there to goof around. I wasn't there to surf the internet. I was just there to focus. Don't relax where you study. Don't study where you relax. And for the first two years, I really struck to that proverbial advice that someone had passed along to me, made a big difference, was very successful in my classes, and had a very low stress level about school, just overall. It was working great. And then the third year of college came. And because of a lot of high school AP classes, that was actually going to be my last college, my last year at college. And I thought, well, I'm 20 years old. I'm a fully grown man now. And so I want what every fully grown man deserves, a studio apartment. And so I got a studio apartment by myself on 6th Street, which everyone knows is the Center for Academic Excellence in the city of Austin. 
It's where the real serious scholars congregate. And it was too far away. There was no study hall there. I didn't, I'm not independently wealthy, so I didn't have an on-campus parking permit. It was too hard to get to the library, and so I said, well, I'll just do all my schoolwork at the apartment. And I'd be doing schoolwork, but then Xbox is just right there. And I'd be doing schoolwork, but ah, the internet's just right there, and it's so good. And I managed to get through with my GPA relatively intact, but it was a mess. And the stress level was through the roof. Dropped assignments were happening all of a sudden. I had let go of that wisdom, and it had very negatively impacted me. Seven years later, when it was time to go back to school, to uh, do my graduate studies, to prepare myself to be a pastor, I went back to the old ways. Home was just for relaxing, just for being with my family, which now included a young child. Work was just for work, just for focusing on the pastoral work to which I had been appointed, and school was for school. That's where the papers are written. That's where the reading is done. That's the focus. Home is for relaxing. Work is for work. School is for school, and the stress level was down, and the focus was up, and that proverbial wisdom made a difference. I'm in a situation now where I happen to encounter a lot of young people who are on their way to heading off to school. And what do I say when they're about to go? You need to hear these words. Don't study where you relax. Don't relax where you study. This changed my life. And I pass it on. Think about what that little word of wisdom has inside of it, right? It has an image of a good life embedded in it. It has an image of you succeeding at your studies, but also succeeding as a whole person who's able to have hobbies, who's able to put aside stress, who's able to relax every once in a while. It has a vision of you doing your work and writing your papers and passing your tests or doing your problem sets or whatever it is that required of you, but it also includes a vision of you who's able to spend time relaxing and watching good movies and being with friends and enjoying time to yourself. It has a vision of both of those in it, but it's going to require some discipline. It's going to require some focus. It's going to require you saying no to a lot, but everything that it asks you to say no to is for you to pick up something better. And the reason it needs to be said, the reason it's a word of wisdom worth passing along is because a lot of people get it wrong. How many of us in this world where work and home seem to be colliding, struggle with that separation. Anybody here work from home? Anybody from here just feel like they live at work now? That separation is hard, and embedded in that piece of wisdom is a timeless understanding and a vision of a good life, but it asks you to say no to things. But every single one of those things it asks you to say no to is so you can say yes to something better. And that's an example that I want to be in your mind as we're picking up and resuming this sermon series. We're in a sermon series right now called Words from the Wise. And Words from the Wise is a focus on a genre of literature that's in the Bible. Whoa, I didn't know it was animated. <laughs> Good job, Richard. That's really cool. <laughs> Flashing lights. I'm not very focused. Um, there's a genre of writing in the Holy Scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, it's called wisdom literature. And wisdom literature comes from people. Wisdom literature is written by people who say, look what we've found. 
Look what we've experienced. We've seen the good life. We know what's possible. We know what can take place. We know what is possible and here for you. Let us share it with you. Let us give us the lessons we've learned. It's applicable to you. It's resonant to you. And whether you live 2,000 years later on the other side of the world, this can change your everyday life. It's how to live by people who have lived. It's how to live a resonant life from people who have found it. It's how to live a peaceful life from people who've experienced it. It's how to live a resolutely good life, even in the face of challenges, from people who have come to know that is true themselves. Wisdom literature is for people who want to know how to spend their lives' energy, their precious time, this finite resource. What do I do with it? Wisdom is for people who say, is there a moral arc and a purpose to this existence? And if there is, can I live in connection with it, in harmony with it, alongside it? Wisdom is for people who say, with this life energy, with what I am and what I have, can I make a difference? Can I make a difference not just for myself and for my family, but maybe for the people around me and maybe for the people who need it the most? Wisdom literature is for the people who say, how do I live a good life worthy of the God who breathed life into me? How do I honor God by living up to the potential that God has placed in mine and every human heart? The wisdom literature is for people who say, I have messed up. I have messed up. I have burned bridges. I have become addicted. I have lost resources. I have hurt others. I have messed up. Is it too late for me to start over? Wisdom literature is for people who just want to be able to get a night's sleep. If any of those apply to you, then the wisdom literature is for you. It's, for, it's in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Job. Those are the wisdom literature books in the Hebrew Bible. And we're focusing particularly on the Proverbs over the course of this Words of Wisdom sermon series. And I want to focus on the word itself, wisdom. And of course, you know, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in King James English. No, no, no. New Testament was written in Greek. The Hebrew Bible was written mostly in Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic mixed in. So the word that we translate into English as wisdom isn't the word that was written on the page. The word that was written on the page is chokmah. And I'm leading a group from our church to the Holy Land in January, which means I need to work on my Hebrew with you. So let's try that together. Chokmah. Chokmah. So chokmah is a word that's written, and we translate it into wisdom, and that's an absolutely appropriate translation of that word. But it has an additional application elsewhere in Scripture. We see in previous books of the Bible, it's used to, work, to uh, apply to people who have exceptional skills and talents. The artisans and the workers of the people of Israel are said to have chokmah. They're incredibly skillful. So when you think about this word wisdom and what it entails, what it entails is skill for living. Skill at making the right choice at the right time. Skill at living into the person that you were made to be. Skill at helping make the world around you a better, more equitable, happier place. Chokmah, wisdom, is about increasing the skill with which you live and how it applies to and blesses other people. 
And if we're going to understand the idea of increasing our ability to live with skill, increasing our ability to live wisely, then we need to become comfortable with the idea of instruction and correction. That's what comes up in our scripture reading today, the idea of instruction and correction. Last week, We talked about the beginning of the book of Proverbs. It has a prelude to it. And one of the things that it says, that the beginning of all knowledge is fear of the Lord. And fear of the Lord doesn't just mean scared of or terror of God. Fear means an incredible amount of respect and understanding. Orienting yourself towards the world. Understanding I am not God. I am not the shaper of everything. I am not the one who breathed this creation into being. God is. This fear of the Lord, this right understanding, this awe and reverence is the beginning of humility. The humility to say, maybe I don't know. The humility to say, maybe I yet have more to learn. No matter how old I am, no matter how much I've achieved, no matter how many Sunday school classes I've led, no matter how many books I've read, maybe I still need to be taught. Fear of the Lord is humility and open to instruction and also correction. We love being corrected, don't we? We love being straightened out. We love when people say, hey, I see what you're doing. Don't. (laughs) Cut it out. I have four young children at home. I actually don't need to say anything else, actually. That's going to be the end of that sentence. You can just fill your imagination with whatever else you need to. It's an openness, a humility for not only instruction, but correction. And there's good news in that. There's good news in correction, understanding that you aren't going to get it right the first time. I have four young children at home. Embedded in that is the understanding that they will not get it right the first time. That's just not what life is, is it? So it's the humility to be open to instruction. It's also the humility to receive correction. And if you're going to receive the wisdom, if you're going to grow in chokmah, in your skill of living, then you need to be open to not only hear what needs to be said, but also say, maybe that means I need to make a change. So let's look at a couple particular portions of the writings of Proverbs to get into it a little bit. Stephen's running the slides for us upstairs today. Stephen, thank you very much. If you'll pull up the slides of Proverbs 11, 24 through 36, I would appreciate it. We're going to read through these first. This is a small section of Proverbs. There's many, many, many like this. I just picked these out because they're on a pretty focused topic about generosity and trust. Generosity and trust. Hear these words. Proverbs 11, 24 begins, Some give freely yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due and only suffer want. A generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. The people curse those who hold back grain, but a blessing is on the head of those who sell it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. Those who trust in their riches will wither, but the righteous will flourish like green leaves." Those who trouble their households will inherit wind, and the fool will be a servant to the wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the wise capture souls. If the righteous are repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. 
Proverbs is a book of instruction. It's a book of wisdom. It's a testimony. It's a diary of people who have lived in God's world and found the way. Imagine that you're living in a world where you can't count on the rain to fall, where you are dependent on a well, and when it's empty, it's empty. Imagine a world in which you are dependent on the grain to grow, and if it doesn't grow, you don't eat. How easy would it be to hoard? How easy and justifiable would it be to say, this is mine and not yours, and I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care what has befallen you. I don't care what was rolled down the pike for you. This is mine and not yours. End of story. But the people who have lived in God's world, the people who have experienced God's faithfulness are saying, those who give water will receive it. Those who give water will recede it. Those who hoard it and set up barriers between themselves and people in desperate need, it just doesn't work out. And blessed are the people who are willing to part with some of their grain. They don't even say give it away. They just say be willing to sell it to people who are in desperate need. Blessed are the people who don't hoard. Their life is a righteous one like a tree and it captures souls. It draws people to them. We've seen this be the case. This isn't about knowledge. This is about being formed. It's about having the humility to be shaped by the experiences of the people who've come before you. And in that environment, with every seemingly justifiable reason to hoard, to protect, to deny for the sake of your own, Understand, we've seen this play out again and again and again. The ones who are generous, the ones who help, the ones who lend out, I promise you, at the end of the day, they have more than enough. That's just God's economy. It's a witness. It's the giving of a chokmah. It's the sharing of a skill so that you can live more skillfully. There's another set of Proverbs I want to bring up, 12 chapter 13 through 19. I just picked out ones that seem to be timeless and applicable, which so many of them are. Proverbs 12, 13 through 19. The evil are ensnared by the transgression of their lips, but the righteous escape from trouble. From the fruit of the mouth, one is filled with good things, and manual labor has its reward. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to advice. Fools show their anger at once, but the prudent ignore an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness speaks deceitfully. Rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only for a moment. Let this be a guide for you on socialist media if <laughs> thus speaketh the Lord. <laughs> That's from the Lance Standard Translation. It's, it's, it's not actually recognized by the church, but that's from 2,000 years ago or more. That's from people living in tents. Fools think their own way is right. The wise listen to advice. Fools show their anger at once. The prudent ignore an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness speaks deceitfully. Verse 18, rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise 
brings healing. Do you have the humility to receive instruction? Do you have a fear of the Lord and understanding that God is God and you are not enough to receive correction, enough to be set on a new path, enough to receive this wisdom and let it change your skill in living? One of the things that I want to point out is that all of this is going to guide you towards a change but it's never calling you out. It's never calling you out. And just like the person who shared a word of wisdom that was about don't study where you relax and don't relax where you study, they were calling me into a better way of being. They were calling me into a better life. They saw into the reality of being overwhelmed and confused of trying to relax and study and do all these things in the same time at the same place when you're just 18 years old and you're on your own for the first time ever surrounded by a world supply of distractions and seeing that that was hard and seeing that that was confusing and seeing that that was difficult. They called me into a better, more peaceful, more productive way of being. And it involved saying no to some things, but everything that it said involved saying no to was not good for me, and everything that it said yes to was excellent for me. These Proverbs see a world where you're obsessed with the belief that there's just not enough to go around, and so I need to hoard what is mine. I need to constantly plan for the worst possible situation, and okay, if I have water and they don't, that's their problem, that's on them. If I have grain and they don't, that's their problem, that's on them. It sees into a world where you're so limited by that fear and lack of understanding, it calls you into a better way of being. It sees a world where your life is led around by a tongue that just will not behave itself, where your rash words are like swords and you're constantly cutting all the things around you and suffering every day for it, wondering why everyone else is such a problem. And it calls you in to something better and everything that it asks you to say no to, that rashness, that willingness to hurt, that constantly looking to dunk on somebody else. That's an ancient Hebrew term. It means to have an amazing comeback that shows the other person they're an idiot. Dunking. <laughs> going to cut that out of the 11 o'clock. <laughs> it sees that world. And it asks you to say no to some things, knowing that everything you're saying no to is not good for you and inviting you into something so much better. And it's being said because it needs to be said. Because if it's not, then you and people around you are going to naturally fall into it. Someone had to tell me, don't study where you relax, don't relax where you study, because unless someone gives you that piece of advice, you're probably going to be sitting on your extra-large twin bed with a math textbook on your lap, but you're watching Conan instead. It's 2002. There's got to be a better way. I'm going to share it with you. It has to be said because it has to be said. Do you have the fear of the Lord? Do you have the humility? Do you have the willingness to receive instruction and, when necessary, correction in order to receive that better life? Okay, so where's the good news here? 
This is helpful for people who have got their head on straight today. This is helpful for people who are feeling like they're in a pretty good spot today and are looking to grow in their wisdom, are open to strengthening their chokmah, to increasing in their skill and their ability to live life. But what if you're struggling today? What if you just stepped through the doors of a church for the first time ever today? What if illness or loss or devastation is weighing heavy on you today? Where is the good news to be found in this wisdom literature? Well, behind this wisdom literature, behind these teachings, behind the sharing of this chokmah, this skillfulness in living, is a revelation. It's a revelation of a God who is present. It's a revelation of a God who is at work. It's a revelation of a God who sees people messing up all the time, hurting people around them all the time, falling short all the time, and a God who does not give up a God who keeps redeeming, a God who keeps restoring so that these fallen and messed up and hurting people can someday get it right. It's a diary of those who have lived and have never at one point in their life been perfect, but they've come to realize that their God has always been present. So for those of you who are looking for the moral arc of this universe and how to live in relationship with it. This is a promise that God is here for you, for the people who are trying to make a difference in this world to show up and help others, then this is a promise that God is present for you. For the people who are trying to live a good life, to raise good children, to be a good husband or wife or father or mother or sister or brother or neighbor, then this is a promise that God is present with you. For the people who feel like they've messed up, for the people who feel like they've let down, for the people who feel like they've gone too far down the wrong path. These words are a diary of people who've been there and promise that God is still with you. And for the people who are just looking for a good night's sleep for the first time ever, this is a promise that God is with you. That's the good news. So may you grow in your chokmah, your skillfulness, your ability to do the right thing at the right time, knowing that even when you fall short, your God is present with you. Let us pray. Great and loving God, great are you and greatly to be praised. Today, Lord, we praise you for being able to read a diary of people who've gone before us, people with all different levels of intelligence, all different kinds of backgrounds, all different kinds of experiences. And Lord, when they share their wisdom, when they try to help guide us in our skillfulness, our ability to make the right choice at the right time, we do so with the understanding they were never perfect. They were never pure. They were never good enough. But at every point, they had come to know that you were with them because, God, you are with us. Lord, help us to not only receive this, but to see it in light of the good news of your Son, Christ Jesus, the perfect, the complete revelation of who you are and the perfect sharing of the wisdom that we need to know in order to live the life for which you have made us. Guide us, O God, and keep us and shape us in the image of your Son, Jesus, for it's together in his name that we pray the words that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I, was that an amen? <laughs> this has been the cutest day ever, guys. Oh, this is why you need to come to church even in July. You never know, right? As I invite forward those who will be assisting with the serving of a communion today, I do so with the reminder that we always have a chance to taste, touch, feel, and know the presence of Christ with us every single day. On the day he was to give himself up for us, Jesus had dinner with his best friends, his followers, his disciples, and he knew what they would face. He knew what they would go through. He knew what we would face. He knew what we would go through. He needed them. He needed us to know that we were never alone. We were never on our own. We were never without his power and his presence. So he took an ordinary loaf of bread, gave thanks over it, broke it and passed it, and said, take all of you and eat. This is my body, and when you see my body broken, know that I do so for you. Do this often in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, he took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over it, broke it and passed it, and said, take all of you and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, the new promise, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance in me. And so in forgiveness of sins, he promises that whatever you think separates him from you, whatever he thinks divides him from you, it's just simply been overcome. It doesn't exist anymore. He's done away with it. That's why when we come forward to the table here in our church, we do so knowing it's not the gatherings table. It's not the First United Methodist Church's table. It's Christ's table. It's for everybody, every background, every understanding, lack of understanding, every age, church membership, non-membership, doesn't matter. It's for you. Just like Christ's life, just like his death, just like his resurrection was for you, so is this meal. In just a moment, if you're on the bottom row, you're going to be released row by row, beginning in the back. You'll come forward to these stations on either side with your hands held open like this. Someone with a food service glove will take an already cut piece of bread and place it in your hand. We also have gluten-free bread if you need that. If you go to the next station, someone with a non-alcoholic cup of grape juice will hand it to you. You'll eat the bread, drink the juice, and return down the outside aisle while there will be a trash can ready to receive your now empty cup. If you're in the balcony, of course you're uh, invited to come down to the front, but there's also a station in the front ready for you. We always have gluten-free stations available. We always celebrate with non-alcoholic grape juice because we want to include all people, including the sober and the very young. Table is set. The meal is ready. Come forward and be fed.
Amen, everyone. So good to be with you today, either in person or online. Uh, before we go, I want to remind you that if you're looking for a place to get connected here at the church, to, to find your worship plus one, your other place of belonging and engagement here at the church, the easiest way to do so is to come up to the on-ramp. We've got folks from the church who would love to help you find that place. Uh, also, if you're a first-time visitor or guest, we have a gift for you at the on-ramp, as well as for any kids that may be with you today as well. Also, after this and every worship service, we want to lift up the opportunity to pray with you one-on-one. -on -one. If there's anything going on in your life or in the life of someone you love, that's weighing heavy on your heart today, or for which you want to give God praise and thanksgiving, please make sure to go up to the front and visit our congregational care ministry sign. Today, Pastor Phyllis is there, and she would be honored to lift up in prayer anything that's going on in your life. So please don't leave without taking advantage of that opportunity. Now, would you please bow your heads and receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise to shine upon you. And as you receive wisdom and gain in your skill in living, may you be open to the loving instruction and maybe even correction from your God now and every day. Amen. Go in peace.